All right, it's good to see you today. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. This is our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture, and uh, we are going to be continuing uh, looking through the uh, the book of 1 Samuel mainly, but we'll also have quite a few Psalms uh, interspersed as well. Uh, so today we're going to be reading uh, 1 Samuel um, chapter 17 through 19 and also Psalm 59. Um, and again, whenever we read some of these Psalms, uh, it doesn't mean that they were written at exactly that time in history, but it was written about that time in history. So these are Psalms that David wrote, um, and we, we don't really know whether he may have written uh, some of them while he was in the cave, right? Or he may have written them where he was looking back at his experience as he was hiding. Um, and so so that's why these Psalms are interspersed here. Remember, uh, our journey through Scripture, we are kind of going in a chronological order, um, not not just uh, straight through the the Bible, but a chronological order as much as we can. Um, so so you'll start seeing some of the the Psalms interspersed um, within. So as we look at look at this, we get to the first uh, chapter uh, or. Or the I say the first chapter, the probably the most well known story of David. Uh, last week we ended with uh, David being anointed uh, by Samuel as he's going to be the future king. Uh, but the story that we all know about David is what David and Goliath. That's in chapter seventeen. Uh, so that story is is very familiar. So we're not going to go into it in in great detail. I encourage you to read it because one thing that happens is that most of us have in our, in our mind the uh, Sunday school version of many of these stories, um, and the Sunday school version many times is the edited version. <laughs> it uh, it's not. You know, it kind of brings it from maybe a PG-13, maybe an R rating down to to a G rating, uh, and and so when you read it as uh, and as an adult, you realize, whoa, there's things in there that I never even thought about before. And so, uh, David and Goliath is a is a great story uh, of David, this uh, this kid um, who loves the Lord and is passionate about the Lord, and he ends up fighting uh, a warrior, the champion of the Philistines, Goliath. And it, it starts off with uh, Goliath. He is defying the armies of Israel. Uh, you kind of picture of the valley of, of Elah uh, in between and the armies on the two sides. And each morning, Goliath comes, off, comes out and mocks uh, the people of Israel. Uh, and he says, why don't you send someone um, to, to come and fight? And, and what's really going on here is it's not just mocking the people. It is mocking uh, the God of Israel. Uh, because what Goliath is basically saying is he's saying, my God will deliver me over your God. Um, and he's, he's mocking them. And the people are very scared and no one, no one has the, the nerve to go out against Goliath. And rightfully so from a human realistic standpoint, none of them stood a chance against Goliath. He was that much better uh, of a warrior. And, and so they were relying on their own understanding of things uh, rather than viewing this as a spiritual battle that is going on. And David recognized that. So David gets there. Uh, he hears the challenge from Goliath. Uh, he is uh, very upset. Um, he, uh, he says, why do you let these people, uh, let uh, this uh, Philistine, uh, Philistine, uncircumcised Philistine, uh, defy the armies of the living God, right? So David is not seeing this as him making fun of Israel. 
It's him uh, mocking uh, the living God. That is why David was so passionate about going and defending. Um, and of course, his his brothers uh, kind of uh, say that he's doing this for pride, which, man, that would be one heck of a way to exert your pride, right? Hey, let me go battle a giant <laughs> of a man uh, as a, a warrior. Clearly, I don't think that's where this was coming from, David. Uh, it was coming from a place where David knew that God uh, would be with him. You have a, a little scene where David goes to Saul and, and Saul says, okay, but here you go. You're going to need to take my army armor and my sword, and it doesn't fit David. This is kind of interesting because there's some some symbolic things going on here. A, a king would never give his armor or his sword up. In fact, the only time that that would happen is when you were relinquishing the throne. Uh, this was symbolic of of Saul basically offering, in a sense, the throne to David. Now, that's not how he would have been viewing this, but culturally, uh, the symbolic act of this was pretty pretty impressive, and, and David rejects that from Saul. Um, now, again, we know in the, back, in the back of our minds, David knows that he has been anointed to be the next king, um, but he's, he's not going to take it from Saul. And in fact, He's not even going to take it when Saul, in a sense, is offering it to him with that kind of symbolic act of giving him uh, the the armor and and the the sword. Uh, David's like, no, that that is, is that's that's not how we're doing this. That's not this doesn't fit, right? So it's interesting. We'll see more on that here in just a just a moment. So so David uh, says, no, I'm not going to take any of that. And he, he goes and he just brings his you know, little pouch and he stops by a, a, a river uh, and grabs five stones uh, and goes to confront Goliath. I, I love uh, the, the confrontation here of just imagining what that must have been like. The trash talk is pretty in, impressive. Um, if, if you're a fan of the NFL, they do not want trash talking. And so there's lots of 15 yard penalties. There would have been lots of 15 yard penalties, uh, <laughs> within David and Goliath. They, they are, are trash talking to each other, uh, pretty good. It says, uh, in verse 43 it says, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. Right? So it's a pretty serious uh, um, battle that they are in, in, entering into. And then David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come, into, come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Um, so, I mean, we're, the, the, the tensions ratchet up pretty quickly. And, uh, and there's, there's certainly something to say. You have, uh, Goliath who has all of the weaponry of the day. Um, he has the, the spear, the sword, the, the shield, uh, all of that. David has nothing. And it makes it so obvious that this is, this is something that God is doing. And that is what David recognizes that. And so David takes the sling, throws the, the rock, and of course hits Goliath. Uh, and he, he falls dead. Uh, 
says uh, David put his hand, took out a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead. So the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Uh, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, so took Goliath's sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. <laughs> uh, and then David took the head of the Philistine, brought it to Jerusalem and put it, put his armor in his tent. So David clearly makes it known uh, that the battle has been won, that God over overcame uh, the giant, that God slayed Goliath uh, through David's faithfulness. And, and I, I, I love this story because it is just that simple story uh, that reminds us of how uh, God overcomes the giants in our life um, and that we need to be reliant on him as we are battling the giants that we face. Uh, that doesn't mean that we, we don't use resources and tools and things like that, uh, but our trust must come from knowing that God is with us and that God uh, is, uh, is, is behind our actions and behind the things that we do to, to encounter and to battle with the giants in our life. Now, this, this starts a, a chain of events that makes sense whenever you look at it. So Saul uh, you know, has asked David, gave David permission to fight, um, and now the predictable happens. David begins to become a hero. Um, and people start to, to follow David. Um, uh, they are, are paying attention to him. And this causes a major rift between Saul and David. And uh, there at the very beginning of chapter 18, what we see is we, we kind of see a foreshadowing of the, uh, of where things are going. Jonathan, who is Saul's uh, son and David are very good friends, very close friends. They love one another, um, and they made a covenant uh, because he loved him as much as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Right now, that is Jonathan, who should be the the natural one in line for the throne is now symbolically has given up his armor, his uh, robe uh, to David. Uh, it's kind of a foreshadowing of, okay, things are going to pass to David now, right? And even Jonathan recognizes that. And and uh, we see David uh, go out, and uh, it talks many times. Uh, verse 5, it says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. Right? So David was doing things in a, a smart way. Um, people were respectful of that. They recognized that. And people even started uh, singing things that uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Well, if you're the king, you don't like that because now David is getting much more credit uh, than, than you. And then uh, <laughs> Saul uh, at one point cast a spear at David while he's playing the harp. Uh, and and misses. He says, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. Uh, verse 12 says, now Saul was afraid of David, and this is interesting, because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. So Paul or Saul recognized that, that God was now with David and that he had departed um, from Saul. 
And that made Saul jealous, it made him bitter, and it made him angry. And so he wanted to take matters into his own hand. And so he, he starts off kind of benign, well, I guess throwing a, a, a <laughs> sword at someone or a spear at someone is not too benign, uh, but he missed, and he was probably drunk when he did that. Um, and so he starts to come up with other ways, and he tries to send David on missions, hoping that he will... Uh, be destroyed by the Philistines, but David just keeps winning. Then he offers him uh, his uh, daughter. David declines the the oldest daughter um, because he does not feel worthy of that. But Saul, uh, and because he doesn't have a dowry to be able to pay uh, to marry uh, the daughter, the princess, um, and so he doesn't marry the oldest daughter of Saul. But then the uh, second daughter of Saul, Michael, um, uh, David does end up marrying her. And rather than having to pay a dowry, um, Saul says, uh, if you can just go give me, um, let's see, 100 foreskins of Philistines. Again, Saul is thinking that David will go down and that the Philistines will kill him. <laughs> That's what he was wanting from all of this, but it obviously doesn't happen. And so, uh, so the animosity and the bitterness that Saul has towards David just continues to grow. And uh, and David does end up marrying Saul's daughter, uh, Michael, um, and then things just kind of continue to, uh, to falter. Um, things are getting tense. Uh, Jonathan in verse nine, in chapter 19, uh, Jonathan kind of talks Saul off the ledge a little bit. And David is allowed to come come back into the the palace. It's kind of this constant cat and mouse game. Uh, then you you see at the the end of chapter nineteen um, that David goes back to his his house with uh, Michael. Uh, but then they, Saul sends his men to come and get David. So Michael saves David. Um, it, it's interesting there in verse thirteen. He says uh, uh, David goes out kind of the back window, and then she kind of puts a mannequin basically with goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul's messenger uh, came to take David, she said, he is sick, right? So they, they, they left and it bought David time. Um, of course, you know, they find out what uh, the, the problem and, and Saul finds out that uh, she had deceived him. It says, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So she basically, because she's scared of Saul, she lies and said that David threatened her, um, and that's why she protected David. Well, I'm sure that just enrages Saul even more. So now David is on the run. Uh, this brings us to, if you look and read in uh, Psalm 59, um, this is uh, one of the things that uh, David writes. And again, we don't know if he wrote it in the midst of this. More than likely, he kind of wrote it as he was looking back. Um, but just imagine what David is going through. He's, he's, he's done everything right. He has acted in wise ways. He is respected uh, by the people. Uh, he has stood up for God, stood up for the people of Israel, and yet Saul is doing everything he can to kill him um, to the point now that he has had to flee his own home. Um, and he, he writes Psalm 59, starts off, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. Uh, he goes and he's 
crying out to God. Uh, then he, in verse 11, it says, Do not slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power. Bring them down, O Lord, our shield, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lip, lips. Let them even be taken in their pride, and for the cursing and lying which they can speak. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be, and let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Right? He is he he desires for God to intervene and for people to see who is who is right and who is wrong. Um and he's crying out to God for that. But in verse 16 it says, But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. So he's recognizing that he is re- remaining faithful to God, and he is asking God to be faithful to him. And of course, God will be, but that does not mean it is easy. This is just the beginning uh, of a cat and mouse game between David and Saul that we will continue. Um, next uh, next uh, uh Thursday, yeah, Thursday. This is Tuesday. I have to remember my days. Uh, on Thursday, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 20 through 22, and then Psalms 56 and 34, as well as Psalm 52. So that's 56, 34, and 52 of Psalms. All right, we'll see you on Thursday.